success has destroyed more people than failure ever has. So I think that I have experienced fear of success and it's fear of will I be enough? Can I handle this? Can I handle the pressure? Sean Cannell is the CEO of Think Media and creator of the Video Ranking Academy. He's a YouTuber, international speaker, one of today's leading online video experts and the world's most watched YouTube strategist. Sean's YouTube channels combined have over 2 million subscribers and his videos have been viewed over 130 million times. But he didn't start out being a YouTube star. In fact, he got his start years before YouTube was even born. You'll hear him talk about how he got started with video while working at his local church. That involvement in that local church, man, it taught me leadership and teamwork and communication and, and using video for something other than video for video's sake. In this interview, I asked Sean to take us way back. And I must warn you, Sean is far from an altar boy. His checker past may shock you, but how far he has come will inspire you to the core. If you've ever thought life is too hard, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault, available only to our TGP insiders. In the full version, Sean shares extremely vulnerable stories about how he learned about grit and determination from his stepdad. He also shares about certain illegal activities, which we thought was best to leave out of this version in case you're listening with your kids. Become a TGP insider today and get the full story at theglobalphenomenon.com insider. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're plotting your next big business move, make sure to join us inside the new Facebook community for online coaches and share with us what you have going on. Who knows, your ideal client might be in this group and they need to hear from you. Click the link in the show notes to join the free community or go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. And also... Welcome to season four of the podcast. We have an amazing show for you. If you like what you hear, head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here is our season four opening event. Think Media CEO and YouTube superstar, Sean Cannell. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career that has taken the world by storm, creating multiple self-made millionaires and opening the doors for regular folks like you and me to achieve our wildest dreams. Hi, my name is Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach for online coaches ready to live a rich, passionate, and abundant life without regrets. And I'm on a mission to uncover the secret sauce that made the top coaches in our industry rise to global phenomenon status so that you can be next. Today's episode begins now. I am so excited to get to talk to Sean Cannell today. Hi, Sean. How are you? 
Hey, I'm so excited to be on the podcast with you. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about YouTube and just life and business. So I'm pumped. Okay. Well, we're going to be getting more into life here because this is the podcast where we're going to find out all the things that you don't regularly get to talk about in podcasts. So why don't you start, first of all, by telling everybody, what is it that you do right now and who do you serve right now? Yeah, so I am the founder of a company called Think Media, and we help people build their influence with YouTube. And so we help business owners and entrepreneurs get more leads, clients, sales, and build their personal brands with YouTube. And then we also help aspiring kind of creators or people that want to do a side hustle um, get into the YouTube kind of creator economy world. And so uh, at this moment, Think Media is a team of around 20 people, W-2 employees and 10 contractors. I'm uh, the acting CEO, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just a small town kid, college dropout, trying to figure out how to grow a company now and have kind of moved through the seasons of being kind of a entrepreneur, entrepreneur, side hustle, trying to figure it out. And life is just really weird. And uh, I'm grateful for every new day and new challenge. So it's exciting. We do a lot of research in this podcast. And I'm going to tell you, at first, when I saw the progression of your career, I was like, it seems like everything just kind of worked out and fell into place. And then I'm like, what am I going to ask about? Everything seems so idyllic. And then I started to really get deeper. And there's a lot that we need to uncover here. There's a lot of drama back there. Are you the drama, Sean? Because that's what I'm finding. Uh, 100%. In fact, you know, (laughs) all I've done is struggle, drama, Um, You know, there's been some incredible successes, but the majority of failures, and I've learned that failures are the stepping stones to success. And so if you fail a lot and you fail forward, maybe eventually you'll end up someplace cool. And so, yeah, it's been a bumpy road and uh, there's a lot packed in there. Yeah. And we're going to uncover it. But first of all, can you tell us where you were born? Where, Where did little Sean grow up? So born in Seattle, Washington, grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and by the time I was in first grade, we had moved to a rural area, Arlington, Washington. We moved on six acres. My parents wanted to escape kind of city life, and uh, so I grew up with horses on kind of a farm environment, goats, quads, and a bunch of cool stuff like that, and I actually wanted to be in a much more urban environment. I got into skateboarding, like underground hip hop, snowboarding, skateboarding. And so I kind of like was into more of a urban culture, even though I found myself in kind of farm life. And uh, yeah, so I grew up in that for the majority until we moved to Vegas in the last 10 years, uh, grew up until 27 in the Seattle area and more rural, the Pacific Northwest. What were your parents like? So my parents, uh, first my mom and dad, they got divorced at three. And so I had a really bumpy early child life. Um, My dad was uh, emotionally abusive, maybe a a little bit physically abusive, got into cocaine, got into drugs. And so my mom, out of wanting to protect me, was trying to first escape from that situation. And so we ended up finding ourselves as she's a single mom right around, I think, three to six for me, uh, living in a, in a basement apartment renting from another family in Shoreline, Washington. Uh, she was working 
extra hours at a hospital. And uh, of course, I don't really remember some of these years, but these were kind of some traumatic years with some of the stuff that was happening with my dad and the conflict there. And then eventually uh, she met my stepdad, Phil, who is just one of my favorite, of course, incredible human beings today. But as they met, just like we are all humans in process, it was it was bumpy at the start. And so um, there was some tough years of watching conflict between them. And ultimately, I actually kind of uh, joke about writing a book someday uh, called uh, there's a famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I've thought about writing a book called Creative Dad and Hard Ass Dad, because my uh, biological father, John, who has certainly had his challenges, has been doing his best and really loving. And he's an artist and a starving artist, really. So he's woodworker, artist, creative. It's where I got my love for music and culture and all these different things from him. He was always into local food and, and when we'd have visitation. But from being raised first by him, I was soft. And so then when my stepdad came into my life, it was an extreme polar opposite, but it would act, was actually the balancing out that I needed. And so I, I joke about that book because uh, with absolute honor for my parents, despite challenges that I think every one of us could probably relate to, uh, both my dad, John, and my stepfather, Phil, uh, gave me a combination of skills that made me who I am today. So this is, I'm not, I'm not outing you in any way. You started out your career working at your church, right? Um, you know, you come from a Christian household. I'd love to kind of start like earlier. When did religion come into your life? Was this a big part of your life growing up? How did you start working at the church where you eventually would become the video master and start, uh, and start really your video career? I'd love to know how you got there. Yeah, so I was raised in a Christian home, and having already shared some of my backstory, that would be my mother's faith. Uh, my father has kind of by Catholic by tradition and not really religious in any way by practice. And so my mom has been a woman of great faith, and that has been an absolute um, blessing Abraham Lincoln, I think, said, like, I am who I am because of my amazing mother. I'm butchering the quote um, and my faith filled mother. And so my mom has always been a woman of prayer and of faith. And like all of us, it's been a bumpy road. So there's been challenges as well. So as a result of that, you have know, heard since then, and I agree with this, that one of the biggest reasons children don't inherit the faith of their parents is if they see hypocrisy. And we all are hypocrites, ultimately, with empathy, you know, we all fall short of our ideals. But if you just see a big disconnect between, okay, we're like going to church, and we're studying the Bible, are we living this out? Like we're going to church and hearing these things, but are we living this out? And, and so in the early days, we were, there might have been a, a, a dissonance between the example I was seeing. And as a result, and casting no blame at all, I'm a young kid, I went through some stuff. I really went hardcore against uh, all of that. And so uh, my mom sent me to Christian high school. And then in between junior year and senior year, I got expelled. And so as a result, I uh, went to Everett Community College to finish out my high school diploma and by going full-time and running start or whatever it was to just finish out the credits. And at that moment, 
I'm now driving, I'm on my own. I'm kind of still in that mode. I don't have the best relationship with my mom, kind of just limping through school. And I, then I start hanging out with progressively worse friends. So anyways, to make a long story short, in terms of the religious piece, like I, I really went, there's a story in the Bible of the prodigal son. I mean, I was just full on, full tilt, prodigal living. And I think the benefit of that was literally when the prodigal son um, left his father and said, just give me my inheritance. Let me do what I want. He saw that what the world had to offer didn't ultimately satisfy his soul. And I really found myself in a dark night of the soul after just a crazy night where I got stuck in Seattle and my friend got lost. And, and then when you're coming down off drugs, you're just super depressed. And it was during that time that it was actually my stepdad's idea because he knew what I was into and they were being they were trying to steer me, but they were also letting me make my own decisions. I think I'm like 18 at this point, you know, maybe 17 and a half. And so they said, would you want to go to Bible college in Canada, which is where some of my uncles had gone. So I went to Bible college. And again, to make a long story short, that's something on a, a whole different path of, for one, studying the Bible for myself and actually my faith becoming my own and seeing that, you know, over 400 prophecies of, of Jesus Christ happen hundreds and thousands a year before that all happened, starting to see uh, the historical accuracy of the resurrection, starting to see the Old Testament, Old Testament and New Testament for myself, and meeting some Christians who weren't just cultural Christians, but were actually really living out the pages of the Bible. And thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. It really paints a picture, not just see the polished, uh, you know, millionaire lifestyle of the influencer but like you know everything that it took for you personally to go through um i would love to know because at this point you know we're going to fast forward a little bit to your getting more involved in the church to you working at the church and i know i'm probably going to go from drama to drama to drama i want everybody to know i'm just gonna pause to say right here there were a lot of good things happening in your life in the meantime but we are just we're like focusing on like all the dramatic points um I would love to talk a little bit more about when you were at, you know, working at the church, if you can tell us like the quick story of how video came into your life. I feel like that's a really, really important point in your story. Yeah. So I went to Prairie Bible College and I did a certificate in Bible. So I was only there for a year. I had tentative plans to go back for a second year. So, uh, I made a decision that, okay, I'm coming back for summer break. I'm going to volunteer at a church. I'm going to take online courses and I'm going to work at my job at Red Robin waiting tables or busing tables. I'm going to take online courses at the, I'm going to take summer school at Prairie. And what I did was, um, as I came back and my parents had gone to a new church, so they had gone and it was a much more charismatic church. And it was really experiencing what you would call kind of in Christianity as revival. The terms maybe a mixed term, but it was, it was really, it was blowing up. And I remember we went, I volunteered at this youth ministry that had like seven kids in it. And Jeff Morris, who's such a good friend and mentor and church planner today, he was my youth pastor. And again, in just a short time, that youth ministry blew up to like 100 junior hires on Tuesday, 200 on Wednesday, 20 leaders, all this kind of stuff happening. So two things happened there. One was I wasn't seeking video or seeking anything other than get busy, just say, God, wherever you know I can serve. And it was his idea. Jeff was like, hey, uh, you know would you start making videos for the youth ministry? And he handed me a Canon HV30 camera and Adobe Premiere software. 
And I started making these videos that were absolutely terrible. And so it was more about just getting involved and deeper than that, that involvement in that local church, man, it taught me leadership and teamwork and communication and, and using video for something other than video for video's sake. And that was, that was 2003 that I got plugged in at that church and got into video. So now I've been into video for 20 years and I've been on YouTube for 16. And so just a lot of time is compounded in these skill sets. Yeah. And fast forwarding just a few years, the crash of 2008 mm. happens, right? You go, you get married to the love of your life in 2005. Then 2008 comes and hits you like a pile of bricks because it wasn't just the financial losses, which I'm going to have you just tell us a little bit of that story. You also are dealing with health issues that your wife is experiencing at this time. Can you tell us, I, I would love to know like from, from the moment that you know what, everything is fine until just things start to hit. Like what happened? Yeah. So these, this era of 2003, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm volunteering at this church 2004. I'm, uh, uh, I meet my wife. We get married in 2005 and it was bumpy. Um, you know, we're young couples, we, a couple, we got married at 21. Um, and it was a bumpy road in terms of, uh, you know, trying to figure out marriage, marriage counseling, we, it was, it was bumpy is an understatement. It was, it was actually pretty brutal, but they got, you know, we stayed together. And so you fast forward a few years and life is pretty cool. We, they are this handing out loans. You know, if we didn't really know the big short was about to happen. So we like it bought a house. I was, you know, buffing the floors, tearing the carpet up and, and uh, painting the walls. We were making it our own loving, you know, we're serving the church. We're working very hard, working multiple jobs, but we're just a young couple, ambitious, didn't have near the vision we have today. Uh, but we had I, eventually, because of the entrepreneurial nature of the church, they encouraged me. I remember Cindy Villamore, the pastor said, Hey, you know, you should use your video skills and maybe start a side business. And, and so I started clear vision media. And so all these good things are really happening around us, but they all come crashing down um, during this era of now 2009. And so, um, we were in this good season, but first my wife did get very sick. And at first we didn't realize how bad it was. I mean, I probably was a little too disconnected. She came back from a mission strip in 2007 and started to throw up pretty consistently. And I think it was something, you know, she didn't really want to like talk about that a lot, but it was like, you're just going through like, why am I sick? Why am I throwing up? And she was throwing up 10 to 15 times a day some days. And so she's like losing weight, but she's still working. We're still trying to figure this thing out. And we go from doctor to doctor and they don't know what's happening. And then the economy crashes, the, the biggest economic crash, they say, since the Great Depression. And we had two houses and the whole thing crashes. Values go down. People are losing their jobs. So the tenants can't pay. We can't float that mortgage. Eventually that family moves out. They move out. We can't pay for that house. And, and, and while this is happening... The church also fell apart, but then worst of all, and most important of all, my wife got to a place where she was at 82 pounds. She had lost so much weight from throwing up that she was skin and bones. And we went to the doctor and they were like, man, we have to get your weight up. So they gave her a feeding tube first in her nose. And so she's going to work. She's working at a salon. She's going in. She's got this feeding tube in her nose. She's trying to work the front desk and trying to still like 
I, we were, there was kind of like this bubble of shock. I think a lot of trauma, we both were going through a lot of trauma. So it's sort of like, we were just in constant shock. Like things are falling apart. What's happening in this health situation. How are we going to make it through the season? So then eventually they're like, we need to install the feeding tube Jay Junum, where they would go through her uh, torso area, through her side, install the tube that would go into her stomach to, to start to doing the delivery of food. And so we took her home the first night. We have all these boxes of food, kind of like a IV drip carrier thing to drip the food. And we're setting it up, turning the machine on. And I'll never forget because this is the first time we're starting to distribute the food through her side, Jay Junum. And she starts to just panic. And she says, Sean, I don't know what's happening, but my whole body feels like it's on fire. I'm in pain in my entire torso area. I don't know what's going on. Like, turn it off, turn it off. And so she's like, this is something wrong. I've got to go to the hospital. So I throw in our, in our Honda Civic. We rush to Everett, Washington from Marysville, Washington to the hospital, to the ER. They see what's happening and they call an ambulance. They get her stable there and put her in an ambulance and drive her to Seattle. So I'm following this ambulance in our 2003 silver Honda Civic. And we get down to Seattle, they stabilize her and they actually have to cut her open because what had happened was the food wasn't, the liquid food was not going into her stomach. It was filling up her body cavity, which will suffocate your organs and will kill you quick. And so they have to clean all around this big incision. And then of course she's recovering. So I find myself by her side for six days in the hospital with all of this on my mind. And that was the uh, really light ball moment for me to take the synthesis of what I, the skills I developed up into that point, video. I, I, the first channel I started for the church was a YouTube channel uh, or the first YouTube channel was 2007 for that church. And so I didn't know what I was doing, but that was two years after YouTube started. And then I started building out YouTube channels for like small businesses and clients making commercials for local Mexican restaurants and stuff through my business. So I had this YouTube piece. I'd been studying search, search engine optimization, read a book from Gary Vaynerchuk called Crush It, all about affiliate marketing and passive income. And I started to see like I had these ingredients. And so my motivation to figure that out was different than maybe a lot of people that are like, look at the opportunity to build, be famous and make a fortune. But for me, it was like, I'm fighting for my faith and my family. And then the whole time, whenever I had extra time, it was that Gary V mantra back in the day where it was like, after your nine to five, you have, uh, you know, nine to midnight, or you have after the kids go to sleep or after you spend time with whoever, like you can work 10 to 2 AM. And it was that kind of hustle. If I had breaks or whatever, I would be chipping away at my YouTube side hustle, which was the foundation of where we are today. Okay. I could probably spend the next three hours like going from your drama to your drama, because it has been a really, really packed, uh, it has been a really <laughs> packed story. And there is, I'm going to tell you just from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you leaned into your side hustle rather than saying, okay, I just need to get a corporate job. I just need to get, uh, like, I just need to figure out how to make more money by getting a, a busier job. Like the fact that you really leaned in and, and trusted yourself that this is going to work eventually. I will do whatever I can now, but like, this is going to work. Just really impressed that you really leaned into your side hustle. And there's, there's a, a piece here that I, I want to tune into, which is a lot of us have a fear when we start our businesses, when we keep going through our business, when we've been doing our businesses for five years, for seven years, and we're still not seeing huge returns, we all have kind of like a default fear. And it's different for everyone. Some people are afraid of success. Some people are afraid of failure. I'm going to tell you about one that really like 
puzzles me, and I know that you figured this one out, which is I get scared about growth. I get mm. scared that the more I grow, like the more money I make, the more money I need. So the more mm -hmm. I grow, the more people are depending on me, the more yep. eyes I have on me watching what I do. So essentially, my fear is that the more I grow, the less freedom I have because mm -hmm. I'm building a cage around me. We just heard from one of our heroes in the online world, Vanessa Lau, who just decided to, you know what, I decided, I, I ended up building a business, and these are her words, uh, paraphrase, I, I ended up building a business where I felt like I was just building myself into overwhelm, and I needed a break, she ended up shutting down her business, she put it out on Instagram, everybody can go on and check that out, and that speaks to like my fears, right, number one, I would love to know if that's a fear that you ever had, because as you as you grew, you ended up leaving, you know, really astronomic proportions with your business. I wonder if that ever entered into your consciousness. Yes or no. And what was, what do you think is your biggest fear if that's not it? This is deep. And it's, this is, I think a lot about this and it, it kind of goes into another sort of season of drama. And I think everyone's on a path of their own. I love Vanessa Lau's post and I loved her self-awareness to make the decision that was best for her. Mm -hmm. um, and, and these are a few thoughts. I think, yes, number one, um, dealing with failure is a beginner's game. Dealing with success is actually a much greater challenge. Now, listening to this, you might have just got super offended because, you know, you might be like, easy for you to say or no, failure sucks. But success has destroyed more people than failure ever has. Success blows up marriages. It blows up people's character. It blows up. They get into addictions. They get into all these different things. So I think that I have experienced fear of success and it's fear of, will I be enough? Can I handle this? Can I handle the pressure? I love this conversation. And that's why I, I'm, I'm, it's amazing. You took it here because what I realized was one, yes, I felt this calling to a higher level of pressure to embrace responsibility, to embrace the uncomfortable and to not just build my life to just say, how could I just live the coolest lifestyle entrepreneurship four hour work week situation? But, but am I actually called to a mission? That's why it's not about the money. It's actually about a bigger mission. However, as the, the pressure began to build, I began to break. And so when I read posts like Vanessa or anyone's, I've got just in, insane empathy. I just, and, and then, and then I see in the ministry world too, it happens a lot. And so I don't know what the takeaways are, but the, the, you know, where, where this leads, I think on the one hand, I don't think we should shrink back from pressure. I believe we were built for more. We shouldn't shrink back from pain or pressure. On the other hand, we cannot be cavalier about our character development. And what I realized was that's what had happened. The, the business and the platform and the awareness and the pressure had grown bigger on the outside than I was on the inside. And this is one of my most passionate messages these days, because I had to actually realize I got to work harder on myself than I do on my job. So what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful business person? That's a good question. I think the biggest misconception is probably what people see 
on micro content on social media, because all we do these days is read headlines. And I don't blame people because what they see in a 30 second Instagram reel or TikTok or YouTube short is they just see a headline. And that misconception could probably be that, uh, you know, he's just all about money. Um, he's one of those online marketer guys. Um, probably even more so we do spend money on ads and it has helped us grow. But as soon as you show up in some one's feed uninvited, even if only one time, um, people make a lot of impressions about you. And that was a huge wanting to be liked and wanting that's how I'm wired to. I want to be liked by people. I'm originally wired, very diplomatic. Uh, that is very uncomfortable for me. And it's been a skill set I've had to learn that like in order to build awareness and be seen you got to be seen by people who potentially won't like you and that they probably never would you, you, and I don't blame them. So, so I don't take that personally, but I think it would be just that potential first impression that would just lump me in with uh, maybe other internet marketers, which I arguably am one. But if you squeeze me to the core, I think you would see that what we care about most is our, our customer success about making a real impact taking pride in our products, who we are as people. And there's no way you could unpack all those details in a 15 second ad. And so you gotta be worth, you know, being uh, people misunderstanding you. Yeah, and I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation so people get to know you and get to know your story. This has been incredible. So for everybody out there who wants to start a business and they see you as a role model, they see you as somebody like that's whose life I want, whose business I want, whose income I want, whose happiness I want. What would you tell them they need to do in the next 24 hours? I think what you would do in the next 24 hours is pull out a blank piece of paper, pull out your journal, give yourself some, close the door, put some essential oils in your humidifier or light a candle, um, get your workspace clean um, and really sit down with a cup of coffee or tea or water and take some concentration traded time to just ask your question to ask yourself the question what is it that i want what is the picture of my ideal future and chances are you're not as clear as you think you are i think back to vision it's like clarify the vision and the clearer the vision the clearer you are on what your ideal destination is this is why you should have some margin for this exercise um, and and then let let also whatever comes to mind pour out onto the page. What is your ideal vision for your family and your lifestyle and the rhythms? What is your ideal vision for the numbers you see in your bank account or your retirement or your portfolio? What is your ideal vision for your brand or your business? And get as clear as possible because really, uh, I think a lot of us, and even in the early days for me, I wasn't as, I was kind of clear, like I had a North star, but it was probably still really foggy. And for a lot of us, it's still really foggy. The second thing would be then, depending on how foggy it is, is I would say book a ticket or commit to something to get around people that are living your vision. And of course, if you have limitations there, once you're clear on your vision, uh, everything else becomes clear. What podcast should you be listening to? What books should you be reading? What events should you be attending? So in response to having at least some level of clarity. So it's like, if you want to be a part of, you know, you're like, I know I want to be on YouTube. 
what I would, it'd be like book a, a ticket to our event, grow with video live.com, you know, because you're saying, I don't even know. I, I have a zillion questions and I don't know, but like take action or go to Amazon and buy YouTube secrets. I'm not trying to just promote our stuff, but this is what you would buy. This is what you do. If you wanted to like do YouTube, you'd say, get the book, get it in the mail and then actually read it, get the ticket, attend the conference and then start investing in yourself. But the clarity is you're not investing in a random way. You're investing in a specific way because whatever you wrote on the page is now going to clarify how you should surround yourself with resources, podcasts, videos, books, people that are actually be the key vehicle, the proximity principle of carrying you towards your vision. Thank you so much for that and for all of your time. Can you please tell everybody where they can find you and where they can learn more uh, through your content and your programs? Thank you. Uh, you know, I've never had a conversation quite like this. And so this has been a very fun podcast and you're an incredible interviewer and so grateful for the chance to be here. And and yeah, massive love to your community. Um, Sean Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel. That's where I'm at on all the social media platforms. Um, and then Think Media is the main YouTube channel. Uh, probably the most, what I think your community would love the most is the Think Media podcast specifically if you have any aspirations to do YouTube. And there's where we unpack the mechanics of starting a side hustle or using YouTube to get clients and customers and leads for your business. And then hit me up on social Instagram, Sean Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sean. And we wish you all the best and everybody should go and get tickets to your event. Thank you so much. Hey there, Ina here. After listening to this interview, you may be wondering what you missed. What did our guests share with me that was so hot? I couldn't even put it in the mainstream version of this podcast. Become a TGP Insider today and get access to all of our uncut interviews, as well as access to the behind the scenes of my six-figure coaching business through my Instagram close friend stories. Head over to theglobalphenomenon.com insider or click on the link in the show notes for all the details. And I'll see you inside our Facebook community for online coaches, where you can share what's going on in your business and connect with other amazing coaches in this space. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com Facebook or click on the link in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next one.